and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Glenn Banton, who is the CEO and board chairman of OSD, a veteran support organization which has supported more than 1.5 million individuals through programs that focus on social connectivity, professional development, and community service. Thanks so much for joining us today, Glenn. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. So at OSD, you guys have impacted millions of veterans and their families. You've run over 13,000 events. It says that you've delivered over 2 million cups of coffee, and you've logged over 200,000 volunteer hours. Can you just start by giving our listeners a background on this exceptionally important and impactful organization that you're a part of? Yeah, I'll do my best and uh, make sure it's not a Lord of the Rings uh, epic type of journey. Um, short version, we're, we're about 10 years old at this point, so we're in year 10. Um, we started by sending uh, supply drops, which is one of our programs, which are video game care packages to troops overseas. So um, anybody that, that hears that and says, huh, well, think about it. You're a you know, 18, 19, 20, young 20-something-year-old 20 uh, individual. You're deployed, and contrary to a lot of people's understanding, the majority of the military is sitting around doing nothing or training. Um, that's that's kind of what deployment looks like. And even when there are those those crazy times, you need to unwind. You need to build community, camaraderie, uh, readiness, and in, in video games and also tabletop games are super important. So we've been doing that for a long time, but uh, in the 2014-2015 timeframe, which was actually when I got hired on um, as CEO, a lot of the men and women we were serving started asking for other types of support. Um, they would reach out and they'd say, hey, you know, I need help with uh, finding jobs, friends. I don't know what to do next. It just, I'd say, typical... Um, military transition questions. Uh, me as a, as a business guy kind of looked at these questions and said, well, why are you asking us when there's 50,000 other veteran organizations out there? And, you know, we've been sending, you know, video games and, and coffee and whatnot for years. And the resounding response was, well, yeah, we see that, but you get us, you understand the, the problem. And I appreciated that because the reason why I joined the organization was I never thought it was about the video games. To me, it was that generationally relevant uh, connection. So, you know, the, the thing I always like to say is humorous is if tomorrow we wake up and the, the kids like hula hooping and, and churning butter again, guess what we're sending overseas? It's going to be hula hoops and, and butter churning equipment. Um, but anyways, we just started listening to that feedback and began to develop programs based upon what the uh, the feedback was. And then naturally that begins to evolve and develop into, um, again, as you'd said, the, the social connectivity, the professional development and the community service and that ecosystem and how they play together. Because I think one of the biggest weaknesses in nonprofits in general is, is that there's a lot of uh, the deep and narrow, which has been, you know, that's been a business model that's uh, highly utilized over the past 10, 15 years. But the challenge within the kind of social services side of things is if you have a whole bunch of deep and narrow, most of them don't connect with each other. And imagine you're an individual that was serving in the military, you're transitioning out. Many people listening are aware, at least uh, tangentially, of 
all you know some of the mental health challenges that uh, that our veterans face. But imagine if you have to interact with 17 different organizations where at best they don't communicate with each other and at worst, in many cases, um, actually are belligerent towards one another. So we just wanted to come in and you know, figure out how can we be that connective tissue and that warm blanket where we have our own programming and we're constantly looking at ways to adjust to the reality of today, which might be different than yesterday and might be different from tomorrow. Hmm. There's a ton to unpack there that's really interesting. The, the part that really resonated with me was when you made the comment that you heard from people that they said that why what you were doing was resonating was because you understood us. Um, so now that your organization has morphed and pivoted and adjusted a lot, how do you still keep that as a central tenant? You've obviously grown the organization, you're impacting millions. How do you keep that as a core tenant? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's, it's less about, it's, it's always easy to ask as you get larger. I think any brand would have the same challenge. It's what's, what do you need to listen to? And then what do you need to act on? Um, for us, everything gets refiltered back through our values and, and how we approach things. Um, and, you know, an understanding that, you know, the, again, the veteran of yesterday and the veteran today and the veteran tomorrow in and of itself might have different needs. Um, it also helps that when we do have a set of values, it rules out portions of the potential community or the potential market that we're not, you know, we're not a fit for, and that's okay. I mean, there's certain portions of the veteran community that don't align with our, our particular set of values, and that's fine. They're all welcome into what we do, but there's, you know, certain mentalities that, that don't align. Uh, entitlement, being being one of those um but really what it comes down to is just trying to figure out how do you uh programatize different pieces so that you can as best as possible measure success uh, measure outcomes as well as get you know things like testimonials and feedback and utilize that to improve those programs or determine where other programs need to happen um so it it is as you know, confusing and tedious as it sounds, but to me, and, and I'll admit, maybe it's it's the uh, double-edged sword, it's the good and the bad. I'd be bored if we were like, nope, this is the thing we do. It's it fits in this box. If it doesn't fit in this box, you know, we 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 don't touch it um, because that starts to run into you know philosophies like the innovators' dilemma, where eventually what we're doing will no longer resonate with you know, the future of what we're trying to solve. And then you end up in similar challenges, again, in the veteran space, like a VFW or an American Legion, which are incredible national organizations, but they're running into challenges where, you know, at the, at the local level, uh, do they continue to work with their older generation uh, members, you know, at the expense of, the, the, the younger individuals, or do they transition their programs and their messaging to the younger individuals at the expense of the old ones? Um, and, and those are just business challenges that everybody needs to consider. And, you know, we'd, we'd like to make sure we're constantly, you know, moving forward and feeling what the pulse is. And, you know, there are, there are certainly casualties along the way, but as a whole, we're able to impact more individuals in a meaningful way with that model. 
Was there a decision that you all made um, early on, whether it be of a positive variety or a negative variety that seemed small at the time, but, but had pretty large um, ramifications that kind of shaped the way the organization changed and grew and grew? I'm sure there's tons of them. I mean, it's, I'm trying to think of some specific ones. Um, I mean, I would say just generally a lot of it was these leaps. So again, you know, think at the onset and around the time I came on, it was just one program. It was putting together, you know, video games and tabletop games and coffee and other stuff, um, you know, everything but socks and baby wipes um, and sending it to deploy troops. And then, you know, really it's the, again, the, these troops start coming home. And for me, again, as the CEO and the leader, I'm going, well, we kind of have to listen to them because when I'd speak to them directly because that was the best way to gather this information. My other question there was, well, like, why, why, why us? Why OSD? Why are you not reaching out to, you know, fill in the blank other organization where even respectfully, I think that's where you would go. And, you know, that would be my, my perspective. And I said, well, no, that's, you know, they don't, that's not really for me. And it was never, again, it was never about the video games. And, and that definitely caused some internal, um, you know, I'd say internal strife and some strain uh, inside the leadership because there's varying mentalities around, you know, are we a veteran organization, it's video games, or are we a video game charity that happens to serve, serve veterans? Well, again, as CEO, I knew, I knew what I signed up for. Uh, so that's how I was trying to lead and kind of manage, uh, you know, manage that. But I'd say, you know, at this point, really just some of the bigger challenges we have is, uh, is determining where we go from here and not so much things like mission creep, um, but it's almost program creep. And you start to see some of the challenges of being, you know, an ecosystem when, when something like, you know, COVID hits us because it, you know, that shuts down certain parts of the organization, not just because, you know, we can't go to the offices or the warehouse, but, you know, programs that are based, you know, at places like Circuit of the Americas or working with professional sports teams, well, those are off the table, both from a uh, beneficiary standpoint, the veterans can't enjoy it. And from a financial perspective, we can't, you know, we can't find revenue and fundraising through those. So I know I'm, I know I'm not really answering your question directly because I think it's almost on a daily basis. These things come up for better or for worse, and we have to adjust to them. And, you know, sometimes they work out well, other times, and I tend to think it doesn't show publicly. There's been a number of partnerships we've done where, uh, you know, the organizations we've worked with, the corporations have failed dramatically, and it's ended up costing us money. And we're talking, you know, Fortune 100 type companies. And, and those are the things where we go back to the drawing board and wonder, okay, well, why is that happening? Our expectations are misaligned. You know, how do we, um, how do we diminish the risk with doing something like that in the future? And again, you just kind of got to keep pushing forward. Mm. So you talked a, a little bit about your own leadership um, there. And, and if I could dive in a little bit deeper on that topic, when you, when you think about the leader that you are, but then maybe even more importantly, the leaders that you're trying to develop at your organization, 
what do you see as some of your key roles in shepherding kind of future leaders um, up the ranks in order to ensure that that your this organization and the other ones, which we'll get into in a second, that you're involved in continue um, a successful path forward? Absolutely. Um, as a leader, and I, I this is one of those things, I mean, it's even part, part of some of the values of, of OSD and some of my other organizations is it's that self, you know, it's self-awareness and personal responsibility. Um, I am a, I know I'm a harsh leader. Um, I've learned not to expect people to live up to my standards, but I'm also a leader that believes, you know, I have to, I have to be able to do something so that when I ask somebody else to do it, they know that I'm not above it. Um, Cause that's one of the things and mind you, again, a lot of this is shaped by the leaders I've been under for better or for worse uh, for years. Um, but I know I'm extremely demanding. Um, I've been called a steamroller by people that love me and work with me for years. And, you know, what's odd though, is when I've asked them and it, one time somebody said to me, and I'll admit it kind of hurt my feelings because, um, I didn't want to be perceived that way. And so I was like, well, how do I change that? And they're like, no, don't you have like, there has to be, you can't be all these different kind of conflicting personalities. Um, I'm extremely compassionate towards people and would give the shirt off my back and, you know, solve these things on my own, but it's that tenacity, um, is kind of what defines things. And if I, you know, if I'm tenacious on one side and, you know, the, the, the soft leader type, and I'm not saying one or the other is better than the other. I think you need all of them. Um, it, it ends up sending mixed messages. And so that's been one of those challenges internally. So really what I've learned to do and, um, you know, even comes back to, you know, anybody that's listening is familiar with EOS, the entrepreneur operating system and, um, you know, the visionary and the integrator. That's one of those things where, you know, the visionary and the integrator are, are two separate things. You might be able to functionally do both, but you kind of got to pick one. And for me, it's just driving with that tenacious nature. And then I try to make sure that I'm finding additional people for my team to offset that with the, you know, with, with the extra, uh, the extra side so that we're not attracting a whole bunch of tenacious, you know, just tenacious people. You need to have that balance. Uh, but when we look at future leaders, uh, a lot of what I'm trying to do in any of my organizations is really plugging up the the, the skill hole, the, the holes of, of skill gaps, as well as uh, communication. Um, the more variety or diversity we have within those capabilities, the more successful we're going to be. Um, you know, from a partnership perspective, uh, I've always been a fan of the you know how can how can we have multiple bites of the apple? Um, so if for whatever reason, you know. I myself and somebody didn't get it, you know, didn't see eye to eye, uh, making sure there's, you know, again, diverse uh, thought on our team that's able to potentially step in and have another opportunity. Um, and then it's listening to my mentors. Uh, I, I mean, I've had some people where, you know, uh, that again, good friends, alumni to death mentors that, you know, they've told me to stay out of certain things. Uh, Cause I, I just, again, I love, helping people uh, try to see their potential and I will push, push, push to, to get them there. But one blind spot that I have is, is not really understanding when somebody doesn't see their own potential and it doesn't frustrate me. It's more, I won't stop 
you know, trying to motivate them to, to get forward, it becomes again, from, you know, from my mentor's perspective, it's, it's, it's lost effort, not because that individual doesn't, you know, deserve that love and that attention. It just doesn't jive with my particular personality um, and leadership style. So again, probably a bunch to un- unpack there as well, but it, it's, it's a, every single day, it's a challenge to, determine, you know, where should attention go, um, you know, which individuals on my team or my teams uh, need, you know, need motivation, need assistance, need whatever it is so that they can excel. Because my goal is to democratize everything that I do. Uh, I do not want to be a bottleneck. Um, I'd rather, rather go create, you know, the ability to force multiply as much as possible and if that makes it so the spotlight is elsewhere, that is completely fine by me. So you, you have a ton of balls that you're juggling kind of up in the air. You're an instructor at Bunker Labs. You're a Google VetNet mentor. You're the managing principal at Banton Ranch. We've talked about your role at OSD. How do you find from a productivity perspective, you balance all of your responsibilities, you focus your time at a given moment where it's most pressing and most needed, and kind of keep all those balls being juggled up in the air? Yeah, so there's a couple. Uh, First thing, you know, I've always looked at it because outside looking at a lot of people say, wow, it's a lot of different hats you wear. And I remember, and that just would always come up. I know it's one of those cliche things that, you know, we say. And then dawn on me, I'm like, no, I wear one hat, my hat. That's all. I mean, and so it looks like it's juggling a whole bunch of stuff, but you know, they all complement each other. I mean, when you really think about it, I mean, you know, look at Bunker Labs or the Google stuff. I'm going to go open my mouth and share that information, anyways. That's just now it's a formal setting to share that information. So it actually, if anything, makes my life easier to have those formal um, buckets that things go in because I can say no to more stuff, you know, in the same way, you know, with, um, with, uh, one of the businesses that I actually do some uh, consulting and advising for, you know, their owner loves to mentor and help with digital marketing with small and medium businesses. If he just likes what they're doing, he doesn't even want to get paid. Um, he just likes to be involved. And again, one of his big issues was it's a time and a bandwidth thing. So I said, well, hey, let's develop a fellowship for that. And then you would limit it to you know, two companies and you turn them over every 90 days where they can, you know, where they can stay. But it's it to me, I think by creating more of those kind of buckets or defining where we put our time and attention, it makes it it makes it easier. Um, but then legitimately, uh, I will say, I mean, I'm I am very much diagnosed with uh with ADD not the haha can't pay attention mine's kind of the i pay too much attention to everything and can't not do that um and so again outward it looks kind of nuts but to me it's just being able to fill the time because my leisure and enjoyment in life is solving problems um if there's not a problem to solve i don't know what to do i i literally can't sit still and it, so it's almost a blessing to at least have these opportunities to be able to, to put my attention to work and, and hopefully you know, do something positive along the way through these different roles. 
while seeing it as wearing one hat, not multiple hats, is, is such a great way to kind of end the, the conversation and shift to our final two um, rapid fire questions that we ask all of our guests, Glenn. So if you're ready, question number one is, you hit on it briefly, but if you could describe your leadership style in just one word, what would that word be? Um, tenacious, I would definitely say tenacious. And our final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Oh, the best piece. Um, I still keep coming back to the don't expect of others what you expect of yourself, um, mainly because that's the one. There's a bunch of these other kind of mantras that I have in my head about, you know, success and, and, and people and building and growth. But that one, I think, again, if I'm going to describe myself as a tenacious leader, that's the most helpful because it creates sanity. Um, Cause you just repeat a again, you should never hold people up to your own standards. Um, now you should ethically, morally, legally, but from a capability standpoint, you don't want another one of you. I, I, I know that I don't want another one of me. I couldn't imagine that. Um, and I would say again, don't expect of people what you can, what you expect of yourself. Uh, Cause you'll end up spending a lot of time, you know, you'll spend a lot of time being disappointed, but more importantly, if you can become okay with that, then you allow others to be themselves and you can help nurture and form them into a better and more productive version of that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Glenn. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, me personally, I'd say LinkedIn's the best one. Um, they look me up, Glenn Banton. So linkedin.com slash IN slash Glenn Banton. Um, and since we talked about a bunch, OSD, I think would uh, be interesting to a lot of folks. And that's uh, www.wearosd.org. Awesome. Well, thank you for all the great insight and thanks to all our great listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer and you can find our organization Ability, that is A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E at Ability.com and be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. Thank you.